This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, that number is 800-259-9231. We start things out by going right to your calls. Sam is on the line in Texas on the amp line. Hello, Sam. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? I watched this documentary, Frontline documentary on Kosovo that was made a few years ago, and I think it draws a lot of parallels with today's foreign policy and the way the United States federal government interferes in the affairs of other countries, and I wanted to kind of recount some of it. Okay, sure. So this is back in 1998. There was fighting going on in Kosovo, and there's the KLA, which is the Kosovo Liberation Army, now, these are the ethnic Albanians who live in the Kosovo area. The Serbs see this as their sacred land, okay? So they started killing some of the KLA families. In one case, they threw a hand grenade into a house, killed 50 people. Mm. You know, Grandma got blown through the wall. Uh, this was all going on during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And uh, so the West got involved and set up peace talks, okay? So the Albanians start kind of ramping up the violence because this is what they want. Um, and and this is see they they knew that if the West got involved that it would help and they would take probably take their side in the uh, issue. So this is an example of just how previously previous interference by the U.S. in the affairs of other countries has drawn them into yet another conflict because the the Kosovo people are kind of manipulating the uh, the U.S. government. Hmm. So NATO decides you know the the. Slobodan Milosevic, the president of Yugoslavia, decides he's not going to listen. So they fly 85 jets along his border. They kind of laugh at that, call it the uh, NATO's Balkan air show. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the KLA steps in uh, into the negotiations, and the U.S. sees that it's really getting sucked into their liberation war, and they kind of back off. So then uh, the Bosnian people, this is Slobodan Milosevic's people, they start stepping up the attacks, start burning villages. Uh, the KLA killed 14 uh, police officers, so the Bosnians went into one village and killed 30, uh, 35 people. Mm. There was a 18-month-year-old uh, baby, a four, five, six, and nine-year-old that were killed in those attacks. Um, so then Madeleine Albright, the Secretary of State, decides, you know, oh, we can't allow these things to happen. That was a quote from her. So apparently it's just our job to go in and police the world. Apparently. Um, so NATO sends out its uh, air commander, which is a U.S. general, to go meet with Slobodan Milosevic. Um, Kosovo ends up backing down, and the KLA and the police, they, basically they pull their troops out but leave the police forces in there, and the KLA and the police start fighting back and forth. There's another slaughter. The U.S. decides, okay, we need to send uh, NATO troops into the region. And in the process, before they do that, they set up another peace nego negotiation. Well, the KLA backs out of the deal. I mean, they were balking at it. They didn't want um, – they wanted their independence. They didn't want this occupying force from outside of the country getting involved in their local affairs. Okay. So NATO basically uh, abandoned the people that they were there. To, uh, they were basically being abandoned – by the people that they were there claiming to help. And Miss Albright decides she's going to come out and set everybody straight. And so she goes out to these negotiations that are going on, and she arrives at like 1230 at night. They mistake her 
with a cleaning lady and tell her, you know, can you give us five minutes and please leave? Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know who this lady was, and she just assumed that everybody would know her. Huh. Uh, now she goes out and sets up a uh, ultimatum and says, look, if the Serbs don't agree, we're going to bomb them, and if the Albanians don't agree with what we want, then we'll just walk out on them and let them get slaughtered by the Serbs. So the KLA ends up agreeing, the uh, Serbs don't, and the U.S. pulls its teams uh, from Serbia. The tanks are following right behind them. These are Slobodan Milosevic's tanks, and they just go on this uh, genocide rampage and start slaughtering all of the uh, ethnic Albanians mm. in Kosovo. So really, we kind of set them up for that, uh, and they, they knew that the bombs were going to come, so why not get away with everything we can right now? So then uh, NATO attacks, and you know, but they do it, of course, by consensus and by committee. So they plan this two to three nights of bombing with 90 targets. The generals were telling them this is a really bad idea. Uh, it didn't work. Milosevic wasn't phased at all. Uh, the, the Albanians, though, they start abandoning, abandoning Kosovo and leaving their homes in mass and heading for the hills as refugees now. Well, they're being slaughtered, a, right, at this point? Yeah, well, right. uh, basically, because the... the, the Slobodan Milosevic's forces are in there just going into villages, burning their houses, kick the gas line open, throw a hand grenade in, mm. it blows the roof off. And uh, there were also stories of them surrounding the villages on three sides. Whoever runs out would get uh, captured and questioned, and then after they questioned them, they would shoot them. Jeez, and wow. That, that was just a formality, you know, to make it look good. Mm. Um, so then, you know, this is really, really bad. So NATO's credibility is on the line. The organization is kind of crumbling. And while and all decide, this is going on, you're saying that uh, Americans were busy paying attention to Monica Lewinsky. Yes. So this was all in the middle of that scandal, and the, the film actually went into detail about how that was really getting in the way. Eventually that was cleared up here, and they were to, able to get past it. So NATO decides, all right, we're going to attack Belgrade, which is the capital of the city. This is a pretty modern city with high skyscrapers and so forth. And that's a huge success, but it scares the, uh, the bureaucrats in NATO. And so then it becomes war by committee for each individual target. Now, if you've ever played like a first-person shooter game, can you imagine going to a committee before you hit one individual target? No. <laughs> <laughs> Complete failure. Wow. So what, basically what ends up happening is they're trying to stop soldiers from going into individual men, from going into a village and slaughtering the villagers, with bombs from 15,000 feet in the air, which is just a failed strategy. Um, so during this, they, uh, the U.S. or NATO found this uh, Serb military convoy, and they hit it and just knocked it out. Well, except it turns out it was a tractor pulling uh, Kosovars, and it killed over 60 people. Mm. Inno women, innocent people? Children. Yeah. yeah, innocent people, arms, legs, heads blown off. A lot of people were identified just by their clothes because you know, there was nothing left. Uh, this was right before NATO's 50th anniversary. They were looking really bad. So the U.S. and the United Kingdom planned a secret ground war. And uh, since they decided they were going to go in with troops, they went ahead and stepped up the, the bombing campaign. And you guys may not know this because it doesn't really happen in the U.S., but apparently over in Serbia, the Serbian TV is used as propaganda to get the people <laughs> on the government side. Oh, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> And the, the U.S. military knew that that's what he was doing, so they went ahead and bombed Serbian TV and took it out. Mm. Now then, uh, the U.S. Uh, prepares for a huge 
four-day bombing campaign on Belgrade again. Politicians were all in line with it, except on the first night, they, because of an outdated CIA map, they hit the Chinese embassy and killed three Chinese nationals. Oh, um, Lord. What a disaster. Then, uh, Clinton agrees to the ground war in public. The generals are all saying, no, this is a really bad idea. We're going to take lots of casualties, and winter's approaching, and we do not want to be there fighting. So then they decided to go ahead and hit the power grid, grid of uh, Belgrade, which is, again, another command and control type structure that exists most likely because of government. If we had something decentralized, they wouldn't do this. But effectively, what they were doing is terrorizing the population of the people of uh, Belgrade into basically putting them at risk of freezing to death through the, the cold winter mm-hmm. that was coming up. So the, uh, the Serbs kind of finally cave in, and they decide to pull out after pressure from Russia and so forth. And, you know, there's video of the troops pulling out of Bosnia, giving the finger to these people, and, and they're getting pelted with rocks and eggs and everything else. And today there's NATO and U.S. troops that are in there keeping the peace, but the, the skirmishes continue back and forth, and we're kind of like the parent in there saying, no, no, you can't do that, leave them alone. And uh, the moment we leave, the fighting's going to start right back up. And I don't think that it's any different in any other place. These people need to have their fight and just kind of get it out and let them work out their differences, and we're there stopping them interfering. And I can't think that the people there really appreciate that. No, I don't imagine so. It's certainly a lot of history that I can't say I was aware of. I'm glad you uh, brought it forth. I don't know if you have more to say. If so, hang on. 800-259-9231. It's just a sad history, just one section of the long, sad history of U.S. intervention overseas. You can't give people freedom. They have to earn it. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Uh, That again, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 375,000 posts. It's a lot to talk about there. Fun stuff to serious issues. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. FreeTalkLive.com and a new online store featuring whimsical and decorative knobs and poles is open for business. FunKnobs.com is catered toward consumers looking to give the playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even the kitchen a unique and fun flair. Toll-free phone customer service is available at one eight seven seven eight two zero nine two two four. FunKnobs.com is the creation of parent company InnerKnobs.com online since 2004. So you really can call in about anything. Sam calling in a few moments ago to relay the story, which is pretty much unheard of uh, in America. I know I never heard that much about the uh, the Bosnian. I learned more about the Bosnia-Serbian conflict in 10 yeah. minutes there than I'd ever known before. Same here. So I, uh, I learned more stuff from the, the people that call this radio show than I think anywhere else. I I knew that it was going to be a, a U.S. Uh, foreign policy disaster. Like I I just know that that's yeah. the case because every time you use government, you employ government uh, and force and guns and military, you're going to get all kinds of unintended consequences. And every any time you stick your um, hand into somebody else's bi- some other country's business, it's like sticking your hand into a hornet's nest. And uh, you know the American people are the ones that get hurt. 
Now, speaking of business, I want to get to a story here that I mentioned last night. We didn't get a chance to cover, and I know you've got some email, Mark. We'll get to that, too. Of course, your calls are primary if you make them at 800-259-9231. But we haven't talked uh, for a little while about what's going on in Massachusetts with the effort to actually repeal the state income tax there. Now, if you've been paying attention to liberty-oriented political stuff over the last decade, you know they tried this before. It was, I think it was about four years ago, the last time. Maybe it was six years. It seems, okay, yeah, 2000. Yeah, I don't know. It was a while back. <laughs> anyway, four to six years ago, they tried this, and they did pretty well. They actually got something like 45% of Massachusetts voters to turn out and vote in favor of getting rid of the Massachusetts state income tax. So Carla Howell from the Center for Small Government and Michael Cloud are trying again. And the Center for Small Government back in action. They've managed to get uh, the question back on the ballot, and every time this happens, the news media and the government people mobilize as much as they possibly can to oppose this. They will make it sound like, if you listen to these government people, they'll make it sound like the world will come to an end if the Massachusetts income tax is repealed. That's how they feel on every one of their taxes, and it's every government agency ever. Anytime you threaten to take these um, things away from these people, you know, um, in the same way they're taking taxes from, uh, you know, the people, they're essentially stealing them, you know, they they act like it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the next apocalypse. So here's the latest on that particular story. From BostonHerald.com, it's basically a hit piece against Carla Howell. Just want to give you an idea of some of the things they're having to deal with. We haven't been following every single thing about this uh, particular no, it's, event. It's a single state issue. Right. Uh, but it's, it's interesting the way they are coming out on the attack against Carla Howell. Here's this story from Hillary Chabot. The move to repeal the state income tax is already paying off for a pair of activists who've pocketed tens of thousands of dollars heading up the ballot campaign, a Herald Review has found. In fact, libertarian activists Carla Howell and Michael Cloud took in nearly $200,000 in consulting fees for two anti-tax ballot initiatives and work on their political campaigns over the past six years. Oh, well, first it sounded like 200000 You know, that'd be a lot, that of, money be a lot of money for a year. But it's over six years between two, two people. people. So it's $100,000 over six years. That's uh, less than twenty grand, I think, per... Doesn't sound like a lot of money. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's below the poverty line by the government's own definitions, as a matter of fact. But this is what they're trying to make it look like. These people are bad, bad. They're greedy, greedy libertarians. See, they're just lining their pockets with your donations. They're going to take the money and run, and you're still going to have to pay the income tax because you're going to lose, suckers. Well, that's not how she says it, but here's Ms. Chabot's article. In the 18-month period after the first income tax question failed, the Committee for Small Government, which listed Cloud as its treasurer and Howell's Wayland Home as its headquarters, continued to accept political contributions, and the pair took nearly 89 cents of every dollar donated for past consulting fees. Howell said the committee remained open to pay off their debts, which included $29,000 for her and about $25,000 for Cloud. The committee finally disbanded in May of 2004 and launched anew in 2007 without cloud in any official capacity. Howell insists it's all been a labor of love. She says the cash is payment for 80-hour work weeks, that she makes calls, draws up literature, and attends events in order to get rid of what she regards as a repressive 5.3% income tax. Howell says, I make a fraction of what I did in the private sector, who used to be a high-tech consultant and ran unsuccessfully for governor in 2002. 
She says no one who knows the people in this campaign would infer that money is the motivator. Yet Kareem Creighton, a fellow in the, at the Initiative and Referendum Institute in California, said that while there's nothing illegal about getting paid for work on the committee, it's unusual and politically risky for those working on a ballot initiative to make money from it. So I'm sure that if you had a whole bunch of money that you could sit on, then it would make Apparently, sense. Apparently only could... rich people can be politically active, um, yeah, or at least on a full-time saying, right? basis. He, I, he, he may or may not be right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what is politically risky. I, I don't have any idea. I know that uh, the fact is um, the people that are working against her are, get, are getting paid full-time because they work for the government, you know, <laughs> and you have to pay them. From a distance, Creighton said, it looks like the proponent of this income tax referendum is doing nothing more than trying to fill up their pockets as opposed to backing a question they really believe in. So, again, if you aren't working at any sort of job, if you don't have any other money coming in and you don't have tremendous amounts of savings to just sit on and spend off and spend all of your money on this particular initiative, then it's apparently a bad thing to put a little bit of food on your table in the meantime with this money. Pretty amazing that they could even bother to take this pathetic uh, position in this particular attack piece. Well, uh, it's all I've got to say is I'm glad that... uh uh, talk radio is considered a commercial venture and people get paid for it and people, you know, don't consider right. what I, you know, me getting paid and, and feeding my family because I do this full time as a uh, terrible thing. I don't consider what Carla Howell's done here uh, a terrible thing either. For her part, Howell said those behind the committee opposing the initiative far, have far more money. The Coalition for Our Communities includes high profile uh, high profile file players such as former Blue Cross Blue Shield executive Peter Mead who are fighting the question. Again, this is the question to repeal the Massachusetts state income tax. Right. They, they sh- and, and, and this is only a um, putting it on the ballot. This isn't you know, that's it. That it's putting it on yep. the ballot. Which Shouldn't the people of Massachusetts be able to choose that? Apparently, these people, don't, the, the Coalition for Our Communities, doesn't want the people of Massachusetts to be able to choose that. I mean, if the income tax is so great, and uh, th- then it shouldn't be a problem at all. Well, indeed, the Coalition for Our Communities says that. The, apparently, the question would cut about $12.7 billion from the state budget and save taxpayers $3,600 a year. The contentious initiative, which nabbed a surprise 45% of the vote back in 2002, has sparked vocal opposition from political heavy hitters such as Governor Deval Patrick. So they're really all coming out in force against this particular ballot initiative. And if it did 45% in 2002, maybe they'll do better this time around. People's pockets, it's tighter than it was in 2002. We'll keep our eyes on this for you. And, of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, that number is 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. 
Again, shrine.freetalklive.com. To your calls we go to Vince in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Vince. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, you guys were just talking about some newspaper article doing some sort of expose on these evil, greedy libertarians taking advantage of the people that want to end the income tax. Yeah, they How were they're, uh, you know, making all kinds of money off of these poor saps. Yeah, all kinds of less than $20,000 a year. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm sure that the next article is going to be about how much money the supporters of the income tax are making. Like, I'm talking about the people in the legislature. You know, how much money are they making? Oh, no, no, that's, that's not going to happen. The Boston and uh, Massachusetts media is not going to question the status quo. Don't be silly. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to call in and point out that obvious hypocrisy. Those people that are working in the state capitol are making way more money off of this thing. Probably many of them are making more than $200, $100,000 a year, mm. you know, as opposed to $200,000 over the course of six years for two people. It's ridiculous. Ma- absolutely. Many of these government administrators and government bureaucrats are making very, very nice full-time salaries. Anyway, that's all I got. Thanks for the call, Vince. Appreciate hearing from you. It's despicable. 1-800-259-9231. But if you, you know, if you take the media down in Massachusetts, if you take their viewpoint on this, it's, you know, the status quo is great. Let's keep it here. What are you crazy libertarians doing trying to get rid of the income tax? We like things just fine how they are. Our political system, uh, we really like it. Stop trying to ruin it for us. Stop it. And that's basically their well, message. Of course they feel um, like that things are being ruined for them because... Well, taxes are theft, and it's nice to have stolen money to, to fill your pockets with. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's nice to get your road paved by people that uh, may or may not have wanted to, to, to pay to pave that road. It's nice not to have to really work for a living, provide a valuable product or service on a voluntary basis in the marketplace like the rest of us. It's nice to be able to be guaranteed every year after year an increasing paycheck or an increasing budget for your bu- particular bureaucracy. And so this will be the, the first year, if this goes through, it'll be the first time in who knows how long in Massachusetts that the state budget has actually would go down. Although I must say, I, I can't say I've actually read the Massachusetts ballot initiative that's coming up here to repeal the income tax. But I feel like it's just going to go – I mean, even if it passes, I feel like they're going to do something. You know, a court's going to step in, declare it unconstitutional, or the legislature's going to – you know, eliminate the income tax and then just create another one because they didn't have to ask the voters to create the income tax, did they? I don't imagine they did. I don't know. So if the voters get to come in and say, well, we don't want the income tax anymore, then what would stop them from, you know, stopping it for a week and then bringing it back? I suppose there could be provisions in the actual ballot question, but... I'll, I'll have to look into that because yeah. I'm curious. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I don't they're trust tricky, tricky, yeah. tricky folks, that's don't for sure. Trust them. I understand that it's a, you know, it's basically the voters are telling them what they want them to do, but there have been plenty of examples. Where the legislature doesn't really care what the voters want. How about California? After 1996, uh, they, they voted in this Proposition 215 that was to make met, uh, medical marijuana available in California. And it took over a decade for that to really take any sort of serious effect wherein the, the police in California are no longer arresting the people for growing medical marijuana. They... They didn't care about what the ballot initiative said right off the bat. It took forever to make anything happen there. A lot of people had to get arrested and had to have their lives ruined in order to actually progress that. Right here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire, there was some ballot initiative that uh, authorized the city to sell off 
this particular school board building. It, it's, uh, it's a very expensive building, which is only housing administrators. It doesn't do anything. Not, it, 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 I believe it's only a third or a half occupied. I mean, the, the rooms are yeah. just empty. And so they, the voters voted to get rid of this, but because of the wording of the ballot initiative, they only authorized the city to sell the building. So everybody the, the building thought... Still, and, and this happened before we moved here. Right. It's been two years. Right. So everybody thought that they were telling the city to sell the building. But the city, the wording said they're authorized to, which means the city government bureaucrats could just sit there and say, well, thanks for the authorization. No, we'd have done it whether we, if we felt like doing it anyway. So which they uh, haven't done. Screw you people. Yeah. So I just don't know how effective all this is going to be. I guess we'll find out. I, I'm hoping the best. I am. I, I hope that Massachusetts overwhelmingly votes to repeal the income tax and it goes away and stays away. But knowing the political realm and knowing the way things tend to work, it's hard for me to, to really believe that this is going to stick. Hard, it's just hard for me. I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that you know two years from now, Massachusetts still doesn't have an income tax after this thing passes this November. We'll find out. All in good time, right? Let's continue with your calls and talk to X in California. You are on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, X. I uh, filed a Proposition 9 form. I live in California. What's and, that? Uh, well, if the uh, housing market drops, it, it sort of protects you because, like, I bought my house for 205000 and then now it's probably worth, like, in the 160s or 170s. Mm. And how and does so that protect you? Instead of being assessed at the 205000 you know, they'll, they'll, they'll lower it down. So you got to do a little legwork, get some houses that have sold that are comparable. Yeah. You need three examples, stuff like that. So I followed the forms, but then there's a thing on there where you put what you think you're uh, about, what they should tax, what you think they should tax you at. Right. And I put on there that I thought I was exempt <laughs> and that they shouldn't tax me. And so I got to have a nice little chat with, with the bureaucrat at the tax place and explain to him, you know, I, my position on how I would really rather not partake in, you know, what they have going on. I just kind of want to be left alone. I'd rather, you know, guys didn't bill me. I doubt he uh, had much appreciation for your viewpoint. What was their response? Well, the first thing he mentioned was, well, what about the roads? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> they always say that. What about the roads? Yep. You know, but, uh, well, it's their best product. I mean, roads are the best product. Well, it, it's it, it's their best product, and they have a monopoly on it because they have right. uh, they've uh, authorized in their constitution eminent domain, um, which is you know the taking of property in order to you know build roads and parks and things like that if if they need to do such a thing. So they have a, a distinct advantage over anybody else who would compete in the marketplace, assuming it was legal to compete in building roads. So, uh, and know. I'm not saying the roads are Speaking great. Speaking of eminent domain, yeah. there's like this pioneer guy who like built my little northwest old logging town and he donated some land for a, a city park and what it is is a community vegetable garden and it feeds like about 14 families eat out of it and people learn agricultural skills and things yeah well we have a slimy bureaucrat who's like trying to steal it and turn it into low-income housing hmm just amazing the things they try and pull you know yep that's it's sad. just terrible I'm sorry to hear about that. So uh, did you want to share more of your story? 
I just think bureaucrats need to be stopped everywhere. How are we going to do it, though? I mean, what do you think the best way about that is? It starts with making them feel uncomfortable when you talk to them. You know, not in a threatening manner, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I just ask them, why are you ripping me off? You know, I I think a lot of them say things like, you know, this conversation's making me uncomfortable. I feel threatened by this conversation. They say things like that. Look. You feel threatened because you feel threatened, okay? Yeah. That's It has nothing to do with me. Nobody here is threatening anyone except you threatening me if I don't pay your the taxes that you are saying exactly. that I owe. If I don't come up with money for the rest of my life, you're going to throw me out in the street with I, armed men. I think that That's another more approach... That's threatening than anything. But besides, uh, as you're suggesting, making them uncomfortable, I think that uh, one of the best ways to make a bureaucrat uncomfortable is to bring a camera everywhere you go. And if you're going to be interacting with a bureaucrat, bring a camera along so you can record the entire encounter. Uh, we uh, had some interactions with bureaucrats earlier this week, and one of them told us, I don't consent, or I, I don't consent to being recorded. Or, excuse me, I don't give you permission, was what they said. And we've actually heard that from uh-huh. a couple of different bureaucrats. And so I was thinking of a good response for that. I'm thinking, well... I didn't ask you for permission. Is this public property? Are you a public servant? Yeah, I think that would be a good comeback because then it puts them back into this corner where they have to admit that this is public property that they're on. Of course, they claim it's private property. Then things get kind of interesting. Thanks for the call, dude, and keep up the good work out there. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. So, um, by the way, if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Get all your shopping done, whatever you need to buy. Amazon probably sells it, and they probably sell it pretty darn cheap, plus free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Again, get a uh, send a percentage of your sale to us if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. To the email box here, this one from Adam. He says, guys, this is regarding an email on a prior episode about a simple definition for liberty. He says, I've struggled with the same issues that were brought up in the email. I think that the no harm and no initiated force axioms work well for most cases. But as the emailer pointed out, there are cases where they don't. What in engineering are known as edge cases or boundary conditions. For the most part, it's easy to ignore these edge cases and just rely on the current definitions, but that never satisfied me. I've been looking for another definition just as you were asking for, and I came up with something which might work. I may be missing something, though, but so far it seems satisfying. So, here you go. I decided to take a completely different tack, instead focusing on what a person can and can't do. I looked beyond that to, or instead of focusing on those things, I looked beyond that to focus on consequences. I would define a free society as one where responsibility for actions ultimately resides with those who do the act. It's not possible to achieve this completely. No system or lack of system would be able to handle all cases. But that is the ideal, and a free society is one which never stands in the way of it. For example, if you were to throw a rock through your neighbor's window, you would be responsible to replace the window and repair any other damage. Sounds good. You could choose to not pay restitution, but you would then be responsible for any consequences, such as loss of reputation or ostracism, or even forcible removal of your property. Likewise, the owner of the window would then be responsible for any consequences if they tried to force the money out of you. 
arbitration would be needed in many cases to determine who was responsible for what, and they would be responsible for any decisions they handed down. Any group or individual who enforced the decision of an arbitrator would be responsible for the way in which they did the enforcing. Even if the rock throwing was an accident, you must take responsibility for the throwing, and the owner must take responsibility for having the window where it was. Whose responsibility is greater would depend on circumstances. It works as well for the example of using initiated force to push a person out of the way of a bus. As long as you take responsibility for any injuries that person may sustain, then you are okay. No need to be concerned about the paradox of initiating force on that person. If you move too quickly and the person can show that the bus would not have hit them, then you're responsible for the breaking of their leg against the curb. As long as you know this beforehand, it doesn't make it difficult to act. The other side of the coin is that people must also take responsibility for their inaction. If someone breaks your window, but you choose to do nothing about finding out who and punishing them, then you take the responsibility on yourself. You are responsible for finding your own justice in the world. This would probably be pretty scary to some people, particularly those with a more socialist mindset. Well, uh, in... in, uh in defense here, um, the likelihood of the police finding out who broke your window is it, it, microscopic. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty I small. I mean, I'm sorry. They're just not going to spend any time on it. They're going to come by. Right. Yeah, your window's broken here. Let me fill out a broken window report for you. Well, we had somebody steal, uh, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this on the air, but we had somebody steal the center console out of our car here in Keene a, recently. A piece of plastic. Yeah, the entire piece of the center console was literally ripped out of our car and the reason why was because there was a little change holder thing in there well and i had uh, the the top slashed on my bmw uh, for you know some change that was in my uh, you know little ashtray thing there right i mean it was amazing it's amazing me. what people will do for change uh yeah i mean there could have been more than three dollars worth of change there and they just instead of scooping the change out they just ripped the entire plastic piece out so seems odd should i have called the police and reported that to them I don't see what the point no. is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would have then had to wait for the police to come and talk to me and fill out their paperwork. And I think you could, uh, if you have the right insurance, you could uh, claim the in, in uh, you know the damage against you, you know to your insurance company. But and even the that insurance isn't even company would want a, likely a police report. Yeah, and but but even that's not even worth. It. I mean, even the the time on the phone it would take to report the claim wouldn't be worth it. For the three bucks and whatever the piece of plastic was worth. Well, you're not going to get the three bucks back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, can right? you left change in your uh, car and then the door unlocked. I'm sorry. You deserve to have your yeah. change taken. However, it would seem to me that uh, if a thief is going to do that, they should at least have the, the decency to just take your change and, and not a piece of your car. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, uh, so we get back to his definition here. He says, you're responsible for finding your own justice in the world, but life's like that anyway, and this is just being honest about it. What's really different about this way of thinking is that it's not morality-based, as the do-no-harm and other definitions of liberty are. That's both a strength and a weakness. Strength, because it's impartial and it covers all cases, even though it may not always be possible to identify who is responsible. Weakness, because it's not as compelling as a moral argument. Also, it will allow for things that may seem abhorrent. Actually, the moral argument allows for these things to happen too, but just makes lip service to them being wrong. The responsibility axiom just acknowledges that they happen without making a judgment. For example, what if you murdered your neighbor and no one cared? Suppose he was someone that no one liked, who had no family and no property to speak of. The responsibility of the murder falls to you, but there are no consequences since no one is interested in enforcing that responsibility. 
Perhaps it's just a loss of reputation, or your other neighbors decide not to speak to you, or maybe nothing at all. The moral argument says this is a travesty without providing any additional resolution. The responsibility axiom says that justice has been done, even if nothing has been done at all. It's just not good PR, even though it's more realistic. And finally, one aspect of government, which is actually at the very core of government, is that no one takes responsibility for its actions. So this hypothetical responsibility-based society can obviously not have a government. I consider the moral argument of doing no harm to be one of supreme importance to me personally, but it's insufficient as a basis for a societal structure considering all of the human beings that would be there. The responsibility axiom will work, though, even if it's not very good at selling itself. Any thoughts there, Mark? But well, I, I, I agree with his uh, his analysis of it um, at the end. Is you know, it doesn't have the emotional sizzle that the um, that the the harm uh, the libertarian uh, creed. What, what what do you call it? I don't even know. Basically, uh, I will not employ. Do not. Uh, uh, well, I've I've changed it. I used to use the Harry Brown definition. I'm sort of shifting over to I think something that you've suggested. Uh, Harry Brown's old definition was you should be free to live how you want so long as you don't harm others. And I like your definition of aggressing against others. I think it was you that mentioned I, that before. I, you know, I, I use the term aggression as opposed to uh, uh, force. Yeah, but, live free as long as you don't aggress against others or their property, which is essentially an ex- extension of them. Yeah, but uh, the, the libertarian, uh, you know, the oath that you sign, uh, you know, when if you join the libertarian oh, party. That oath? Right. I don't support or advocate the, uh, use, of force the use of force to achieve political or social yeah. goals. It's been a long time. And um, I, I've, you know, used that, you know, just mentioning it to people. People in the past, and people really like it. Really? Well, that's great, you know, because it, it sounds very peaceful. Who wouldn't want that? So, Yeah, but it's long, and it's lengthy, and I think that the live, as, live free, do as, you, do as you want, so long as you don't aggress against your neighbor, I think that's really short and I think it's simple, um, but I think that uh, I would rather see people presented with the longer one first than the shorter one. Really? I would. I think, sim- I think simple is generally better. Obviously, if you get too simple, then it loses meaning. But I think that the aggression one that I gave is pretty simple, and it still has its full meaning to it. So we'll disagree on that. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Perhaps you'd like to add your thoughts into this conversation. Of, you know, if somebody asks you, well, what does, it mean? What does liberty really mean anyway? What, is it, what does it mean to be free? Think, I've never had anyone ask me that. Because it's a word that gets used so often it's the here in America. I don't know uh, what it's like in the rest of the world, but it just it, it gets used so often, and they just don't know what it means. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people go around and they talk about how America is a free country. <laughs> essentially means to Americans democratic voting. You know, I think you're right about that, Mark. I, I don't think that they actually... I wonder what most Americans would say if you actually asked them that. It'd be kind what of an interesting mean? experiment. Yeah, what, what does liberty mean to you? That'd be a great kind of man on the street, uh, get a video camera out and just ask a bunch of people that question. I'd be very curious as to the, what the response is. Follow would be. up with, do we have liberty in America? Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, Fremont, the voice over at Freeminds TV used to do stuff like that. It was uh, particularly good. I like those. Any of those man-on-the-street interviews goes to show just how stupid the man-on-the-street is. People are just so, well, stupid, Mark, I, I don't like that term. I think Look, if you don't know who the vice president of the United States are, you're not ignorant. You're an idiot. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's yeah, possible. Yeah, I that- do. Well, Look, man, are you that insular? Are you that concerned with your own life that you don't know who the vice president of the United States is? Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying. What, why does that make you stupid? 
uh, well, it's you're stupid because you're not you're not uh, what trying is, to who, find out about your I'll world. I'll defend this person. What what relevance is it who uh, to them who the vice president is? Because the the politicians steal from you, man. But they steal whether it's Al Gore or whether it's whoever the hell the guy is, Cheney. Uh, I mean, they're all the same to me. So I don't. Play, I happen to know who Look, they are. If you I don't do a know, talk show. If, if you can't name the state that sits next door to you either, you're still an <laughs> idiot. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that you have to know it. You don't have to be smart. Hour two is coming up. You can take control. Trivia does not make intelligence. More on the way. Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized a contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Uh, we'll get back to your calls here in just a moment, but Mark, you said you wanted to continue the discussion that we briefly got into about intelligence. You're, you right. allege that if somebody does not know the name of the vice president of the United States, presuming they live in the so-called United States, that they are not intelligent. They are stupid by your definition. Um, right? I think that it's an indicator i think that it shows uh like the question that that we're sort of asking here is what is intelligence and i'm not saying that the only indicator of intelligence is knowing who the vice president is because there's a lot of people who knows who the vice president is that are still idiots but oh yeah (laughs) i think that not being interested and inquisitive about your world not uh even you're, you're not aware of your world of the world going on around you if you don't know who the vice president of the United States is, I'm not. There's many people out there. I probably, I think, I, I think I know. Hold on, I think I know who my senators are. And at that point, you're getting into the minutia of you know po- politicians. But isn't it but, possible that that's not their world at all? I mean, there are people, Mark, whose world, their reality tunnel, for lack of a better term, is totally pop culture, where they could tell you who's on Dancing with the Stars this week and you know, who the, the cast of Lost is. Uh, but they have no idea anything whatsoever about the political realm. I mean, I don't blame people like that. I think politics is disgusting. Look, I'm not saying they're wrong. Uh, you're, you're talking about blame. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they're dumb. And uh, that's it, it's simply the inability to absorb that information. The vice president has been the vice president it's not an inability. for seven freaking years, but it's, dude. But it's not an inability. I think it's just a lack of interest. 
people are interested in different things, and some people, their There may very well be, Ian, there may very well be some small percentage, and that percentage would be, would, uh, would be a single digit, a, so, a small percentage of people who don't know who the vice president is, and the percentage of the population that don't know who the vice president is, like 30, supposedly. There may be a percentage of those people, that 30%, who don't know who the, the vice president is, who aren't stupid. However, you know, I would only say that that's a single-digit number. I think it's so funny that I've been being accused of uh, being arrogant and condescending on this program, and I think it's quite clear that you're the one being arrogant I, and condescending. Look, I have never claimed to be anything but arrogant. Al- I'm being told here that Albert Einstein didn't know his own phone number, Mark. And Albert asked, Einstein specifically said that um, he'd attempted not to learn many, many things in order to keep brain space open for thinking. Albert Einstein made a specific, um, you know, uh, you know, he made it. He, that was something he was doing specifically. Supposedly, he couldn't tie his shoes, and I would really like. To know for sure if all this stuff about Albert Einstein isn't just uh, uh, you know urban legend, but anyway, that's what they say that he tried, was trying to keep brain space clear. Fine, he's making an effort. But is someone stupid if they don't know who the governor of the state is? I, I think that uh, you're, you're you're getting on the periphery there. So it's only the president and vice president. Anything outside of vice president, then they're no longer stupid if they don't know it. I think the president. Uh, I mean, you're you're brain dead if you don't know who the president is, and uh, you know, vice president is sort of you know the what I use is this. Uh, you know, dipstick to figure out whether or not somebody's uh, you know just one of those one of those. Who was John Kerry's running mate in two thousand four? Gore. No, Gore was uh, the See? first. I'm sorry, it was Edwards. <laughs> See, I couldn't have answered that question. I don't. I didn't know. Well, well, there you go. I mean, I'm sure I heard it back in 2004, but, that's, but that's it's irrelevant to me. Minutia. But it, but but that, it would have been trivia, minu- as, but, as you talked about earlier. But you would However, I don't think be, the vice president is trivia. You're saying that if that uh, Kerry and Edwards had won, then it would no longer be trivia who John Edwards was. That's correct. But I think what you're uh, what you're not seeing here is that while people like you, Mark, consider knowing who the vice president is as an important trait to determine whether or not an individual is intelligent, other people might think that knowing who the three judges on American Idol are is an important trait to determining intelligence. I would say that there's there's a case to be made for that. Now I, I don't know. I'm gonna have I would have a heck of a time identifying them by name. I know one's Paula Abdul. That's the one I know. And um, Randy Jackson, I think, is another. Is one? that the black guy? Yeah, the, the black, black guy, guy that's lost weight. Yeah. And then there's the mean guy, Simon West Simon, or Cowell yeah, or something. Simon Cowell. Right. So I, the, I, I don't even watch I'm the only show. Indicating I've I've seen it, but I'm yeah. only indicating that that's how unplugged you have to be. And but you're that's just very, you're very, very unplugged. But just because you're unplugged does not mean that you are unintelligent. The, the dictionary definition of intelligence from dictionary.com. Well, hold on. Before you go on, I will tell you what a good definition, good working definition okay. of intelligence is. It's problem-solving ability. Uh, you know, if you're given something to to solve, say a Rubik's cube or whatever, uh, the problem-solving ability and uh, you know without instruction or the and and or the ability to solve problem problem to retain instruction. Okay. Uh, the, the definition here is capacity for learning, reasoning, understanding, and similar forms of mental activity, aptitude in grasping truths, relationships, facts, meanings, etc. If you live well, in a d- world... And, and I've, look, I googled it myself. There's many different types of intelligence. Sure I, I heard that uh, Harvard had uh, distinguished 17. I just googled real quick, came up with uh, nine types of intelligence, including nature smart, musical smart, 
logical, mathematical intelligence, existential intelligence, true. street smarts, in, yeah, interpersonal I mean, intelligence, and it, and it body all has kinesthetic to do, intelligence. It, it all has to do with it's all Word very smart, subjective. Self smart, picture smart, based on your perspective, based on what it is that interests you. So if your life. If the primary mode of operation in your life is to go to work, to come home, to put food on the table for your family, to spend a little quality time with them or play some video games or whatever it is that you do at night with yourself or your loved ones, play some board games, and you don't pay attention to the news, you don't watch the news, you don't have a subscription to the newspaper, you don't go on the news websites on the Internet, the only way you could come across uh, information like this is by day-to-day conversations. But perhaps you work in a kind of a job where you aren't conversing with people very often. Maybe you're a technician or something like that. Maybe you, you live very, out in the woods and you, you never very, come in contact with anyone. You could be However, very proficient. This is, this is at an what issue you're of being unplugged. Could I be unplugged from the ability to tie my shoes and still be smart, Ian? Of course you could. You've got a very liberal definition of what smart is. I guess I do. Because I don't see how any in any way knowing how to tie your shoes is in is a factor in whether or not someone is intelligent. That's just something that you learned from your grandma or your mom when you were growing it's up. It's problem solving too. Uh, yeah, if you don't know how to tie, you can't just you probably can't figure out how if to tie your If you can look shoes. at other people's shoes, um, you know, and then you should say, "Whoa, they are tying our shoes. That's great. I don't have to flop around and trip on these damn things." You're, See, uh, well, that's I what thought I'm you meant you would have Velcro shoes. If you can't I, tie your shoes, you have Velcro shoes. All I'm shoes. saying is you're completely unplugged from the world. And to me, that, that says that, that's an entire lack of, uh, of it's being your world, interested. Mark. You're, you're unplugged from your, they're unplugged from your world, not their world. They're okay. completely plugged into their I'm world. I'm going to stick with the definition that I Fine. had previously, which is um, that the, you know, right. 30% of Americans that don't know who the, the vice president is, the, the 30% of the Americans that don't know who the vice president is, uh, that they're idiots, except for maybe you know some small, small percentage of them. Let's go to Milton, listening in Second Life. Milton, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, it's a small correction in terms of words, but it's a giant leap in meaning. The pledge is not against the use of force, but the initiation of force. If you think about it, that's a very, oh, very yeah. it's different a, it, thing. It's a very big thing. Yeah. You know, I, when I, I think about this initiation you, of force, and, you know, I almost consider it useless in the sense that, uh, from the, the public mind. Because initiation of force is, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of to my mind. I decide whether somebody initiated force against me, therefore I can use, uh, you know, force back. And, but then you have to, to take it out a step to everybody else. Everybody else has to judge whether or not you initiated force or didn't initiate force. And that really comes down to storytelling and PR. Sure, it's a statement of philosophy, but on, on that level, it's a very significant difference. The uh, Committee for a Libertarian Majority back in the, oh, I don't know, I guess that was in the early 90s, tried to take that statement out because they thought so few people could understand it. Um, I was actually active in that effort, but I'm glad we didn't succeed because, you know, with the wisdom of a few more years behind me, I see now that it's, I think, a very worthwhile thing to have. I, I love I like the uh, the idea of the, the, including initiation of force, but I think that aggression is more descriptive of what it is that we are uh, as as liberty minded people against. Because Mark gave the example a while back about you know if you've got somebody who's standing in front of a bus that's approaching, presuming that person would like their life to be saved, you do have to initiate force on them in order to save them by pushing them out of the way. In which case, that would be completely appropriate. Whereas, oh, no, that, that, that's stretching the definition of force and using a totally inappropriate definition. We're not talking physics there. Okay, uh, 
I always thought force had to do with physical. I mean, because that's what it always comes down to is somebody threatening your physical body. I, I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy them on us. And they include, the, by the way, the archives, an entire year's worth of the show, right there on the front page of the site. You click, you download, they're yours for free at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As uh, we're going to continue here with your calls, but real quick, the intelligence debate that we've had over the past few minutes on the program continues here. Uh, I received a few instant messages, which uh, one of them made an excellent point. Uh, Manuel Laura from LouRockwell.com. Oh, God. He asks this. Who is smarter, Mark? A genius with autism who can only do math and has no personal or social skills? Kind of like Rain Man. Or Ken Jennings, who is the man that won a million dollars on Jeopardy? I, I, I'd say that uh, it would depend on what area. I'm not calling either. I wouldn't call either of them idiots. Well, one of them knows a lot of trivia, and the other one is actually able to do things. You don't think that knowing trivia is some kind of indicator of intelligence? Uh, I'm sure it's an indicator of that, and I, I agree with you generally, Mark, that if somebody doesn't know some of the most basic trivia, they're probably shut off from the world, and there's a good chance that they aren't that intelligent, but I don't all think I've it's exclusive. All I've ever said. But no, no, I don't think it's exclusive. I've never said it was exclusive. All right, fine. Well, I, I, you know, I, my initial statement said that it was exclusive. I then retract my sta- okay, retracted my statement and said that... If you don't know who the vice president uh, is, there's a 90% chance you're an idiot. All right, that's fine. That's fair enough. I'll go with you on that one. There, there but you go. But it's definitely true that you're ignorant if you don't know who the vice well, president is. Well, I mean, is. you know, everybody's ignorant of something. Exactly. Let's continue with your calls and go to the amp line where Alex is in New Jersey. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? I have a comment and a question, uh, the former being about intelligence. You know, I'm 17, you know, I'm turning 18 soon, and I go through the, the government school each day, and I look at all the people who are walking around, and a lot of them are, you know, these uh, valedictorian graduate at the top of the class, and I share classes with them. Mm-hmm. And you could not talk to them about finances or anything, because when, when it comes to money, they just have no idea what they're talking about, and they wonder how I can spend vast sums of money on a very small income job and they could be making more than me, and they have no idea what they're doing. Yes, they have so, no financial you know, intelligence. Because, right, just because, you know, they're so smart. Look, I've got, you know, my finances in line way better than they do, and I've got all these things saved up, and I know how to, you know, balance everything, and, you know, and they just don't know how to do that. So yeah, as far I, as know, I'm I concerned, that I'm better off than they are. I agree with you. As far as I'm concerned, that's grade, an, a very you know? important factor, knowing right. and, and how you deal with money. And I'd say that the the school really falls down um, in in teaching kids that, and you know, it, it, it's really yeah. important. It's the most important thing they could be giving them. Right. Right. My uh, my question was regarding a draft because I'm Uh-oh. turning 18 soon, mm. and I definitely don't want to register for the draft because you know I listen to Alex Jones occasionally, and, you know, he's always talking about World War III. So I'm not really interested in registering for the draft, but if I don't register, I can't um, 
go to college because the colleges don't want to go to require it. So what, really? what would be the best option here? Really? I was not aware of that. I thought that the consequence was just simply that you couldn't get federal money to go to college. But you're saying the actual college requires you be registered for the draft? Correct. Wow, I had no idea about that. What was your question again? I'm sorry. Well, I'm turning 18 soon, and I'm going to have to make a decision on whether or not I'm going to register. And if I don't register, you know, my parents are going to be all mad at me, and they're mm. going to, like, you know, be very afraid for my well-being because, you know, I'm going to be on, like, a DOJ list, or mm. I'm not going to be able to get into the college that I want to get into. No, here's my but question, on the other though. hand, I wouldn't have to, yeah. How do they know that you haven't registered? I mean, I, they can check. I, I'm of the opinion that, uh, that that there's not a big government computer in the sky that checks all these things. I just can't. How, well, it would take the college to check. The college would have to check, right? Right. So if they, I'm going to get a letter in the mail saying, oh, guess what? You can't come to our college because you haven't registered for the draft. Bye-bye. Right. They'll and check. With parents, the, if, and I mean, it's possible they won't check. Uh, but but odds are they will. I mean, if it seems if it seems like it's something that's important to them, they can call up the selective service and find out if you've registered. So it wouldn't be hard for them to check. The question is, do they actually check? Uh, my here's my question for you before we go on with the conversation, though. Why are you going to college? Because the field that I want to get into requires uh, chemical engineering. Oh, now, okay. Now I, I have I have other plans though. That you know, I'm not limiting to my myself to chemical engineering. Right. Um, for example, I could you know go to New Hampshire and become a paramedic, which is another love of mine. So mm. in that regard, if college doesn't work out, then I re- I have other plans just in case, which is uh, the paramedic school. Well, that's good but, to know. Uh, I do realize I do realize that a lot of kids they get the. Uh, the masters in liberal arts and they're flipping burgers yep. at McDonald's, and well, I understand I guess that, what which you can... is why I want to get into a field that I'm going to actually use. The Absolutely, degree, you know? I, I guess what you could do here is just try to apply and see if they check you. I mean, there's a chance that they won't check, right? Right. That would be the, probably the best way to do it, because then you could possibly get into the college and not be registered for the selective service. And what's the disadvantage for registering for the selective service? The disadvantage? Yes. What what bad thing is for going not to happen? Registering. Right. You the want to not register. Not registering is that if the college doesn't accept me and that. The Excuse fact me. That what is the disadvantage for registering? The... What's the disadvantage what? to registering? What 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 bad thing is going to happen? Disadvantage to registering. Correct. Uh, Sorry. I don't know because if you don't register, because to me it seems like when I register, I'm making a contract between myself and the government, and because I believe in contracts, then that would be something. You know, I don't want to be the type of person who signs a contract. Right on the bottom and, you know, of it, um, you know, I, you know, I, I under duress. Under duress, I have not. That's uh, a good idea. I have not. Uh, I'm not by signing this. I am only saying that the information on it is true and valid. I am not saying that I, I right consent or anything. You know, you know, write some, write some gobbledygook. That on the could bottom. bring you trouble, though. There's a possibility. Really, what kind write, of trouble? If you write all rights reserved on there, then they could, you know, come down on you. Who knows what they could do? I've never heard of any such thing. I've never heard of anyone trying to write all rights reserved. Are you? Are you tell? Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, I bet they do it all the time. Are you? All the patriot types out there? Yeah, but there aren't very many seventeen-year-old patriot types out there. Yeah, but they have dads. That's true. I don't. <laughs> this is a tough. This is a tough situation. I, you know, because what what would happen if you just didn't register with the selected service? What has happened to you for registering? Me, what has happened to me? No one's done any. Nothing's been done because nothing the draft hasn't come back. Well, well this is a system they the, use to draft people with. Look, so what? I mean, the draft's going to come back. You don't go. 
Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. You could always register, Look, try the L rights reserved thing, and then just not go if I, they try to call I, the, you. Up. The fact that I register for selective service does not make me responsible for going, for, um, t- you know, for going for their little draft. The fact is, it the just government seems to me like it's a contract, and I'm entering. Are into you telling a me that I was con- I contracted when I was 17 years old, and that they could come and draft me now, 20 years later? Would that be valid? Did you know all the terms of the contract? I look, all I knew was coercion. Right. That's the reason why I signed mine was because I was 17 at the time and I was scared because they threatened they threaten you right on there with like five years in federal prison or something like that and a $500,000 fine. And I, I was scared of that. So that's why I signed the damn card. It wasn't because I agreed to the terms or anything like that, which is why I think Mark's right when you should maybe try the under duress thing. I, I would I'd be Take very a deep interested. breath, sign the thing. You know, it's, it's OK. You're not signing your life away by doing it. Everybody, just about everybody out there who's over the age of 18 has signed this thing and didn't write under duress and if you write under duress the bureaucrats could ignore it who fills it out it yeah doesn't. that's probably the case let us know what you decide and how it works out for you okay excellent thanks Thank you. alex for the call appreciate the question 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll-free line and this is free talk live with your help we can spread the message of liberty around the world consider becoming a free talk live amplifier for just three dollars a month now at amp.freetalklive.com if you can't afford it keep enjoying us for free if you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki with over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive for free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. I don't know about you, but I've uh, every pretty much every time I've tried a diet, I've failed at it. I, I just I get too hungry, and then be, you know I make it maybe make it for a day, day and a half, or something like that, and I just start eating more than I even was before I was on the diet. So I failed at it, but recently I've been trying a product called Dex-C20, and it's been working for me. It's both an appetite suppressant and a fat blocker. You can try it, too. Just go to Walgreens or CVS or you know one of those drugstores. It's Dex-C20. It's in a gold box. Or you can go to diet.freetalklive.com and check it out there. We continue here with your calls about what you want. It's Paul in California on the Amp Line. Hello, Paul. Hey there. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Well, I just want to share with you, uh, last night I went to see a film called I-O-U-S-A, and it purported to be this big expose about the federal debt. Well, I've known a few things about the federal debt, but I was was hoping that they would tell a little bit of the truth. Uh, They actually had Ron Paul interviewed as part of the film, but it was disappointing in that they sidestepped most of the really important things. In fact, even presented the Federal Reserve as being, well, the Federal Reserve was created to help smooth out the economy, and I'm sitting there Uh practically throwing tomatoes at the screen, right? Mm. And then afterwards, there was a live symposium. Apparently, this was live from somewhere in the Midwest with Warren Buffett and this guy Peterson, who's got this new foundation. And uh, there's this guy who was a former uh, head of the General Accounting Office who is now going around the country with another guy from the uh, some some... Uh, America, I can't remember what the name of it was, the Concord Foundation or something like that, you know, talking about how we got to do something about this federal debt, you know. And there was a whole full house full of people in this theater. And, you know, the disappointment was that, you know, after they told us how bad things are, 
What's their solution? Well, we just have to lobby our people in Congress to pass <laughs> legislation, you know, and I'm going, oh, man, you yeah. guys, I can't believe how lame, you know. Well, it's I think like, that the, oh. I think that there's it's a net benefit in that uh, you know it just telling people about the debt and talking to to them about it and bringing it up makes people realize that just what a really terrible job they're doing in Washington D.C. And then you know when their solution is to try to get the people who've been doing a bad job to do a good job, they realize <laughs> that most people realize well that's the dumbest solution I've ever heard. And I hopefully th- so I think that they hear a net ben- uh, it's a net benefit. It's just that a new solution has to be presented to them and. You know, it's difficult to find good solutions to this particular problem. Well, people need to make this quantum leap from having faith in government and in this idea that government is an absolute necessity. It's like, you know, this saying that says nothing is certain in taxes. Well, you know, I mean, we've got to get rid of this religion of government. And as long as people have this religious faith that we always need to have somebody in charge, mm-hmm. we're never going to solve, get a hand, solve these problems. Yep, and wherever they but, look to, the solution is always more government or changing the chairs around in government, uh, bringing new people into government. Government is always pointed to as the solution, which is what you're saying this particular movie uh, suggested to its yeah. audiences the solution was. And, well, what do you expect, yeah. right? I mean, it's a Hollywood Yeah, and they film. were even... They were even talking about passing a new law that forces people to save. They say, oh, yeah, this is being done in some South American country, and it's working out really well. Right, so point a gun at somebody and say, you've got to put 3% of your your income in a, in a, in a savings account, or we'll put you in a cave. That's a really great way to... Well, you know, manage the economy. I think it's superior to the Social Security system that we currently have. However, I would call it a, a step away from liberty, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Good call, sir. Anything else on your mind tonight? No, I just want to wish you you guys, just, I mean, you are really are one of the few voices in the country that are actually telling the truth that we have to get rid of these guys that are rulers who are pretending to be our servants. Yes, get rid of them and replace them with nothing. Thank you, Paul, for the call tonight. Appreciate right. it, sir. 800-259-9231. I wouldn't propose that that is my solution. Yes, you have proposed it. You said you don't support secession, or you support secession, you don't support the federal government. So you do agree that we should get rid of the federal government I agree. and replace them with nothing. Well, I agree from that that point of view. I mean, okay. I think that I want my state to secede, and the rest of those states, you know, good luck to you and everything, but uh, I'd like to get off this particular boat. Here's a little bit on that uh, same film from LouRockwell.com. Charles Burris writes, IOUSA, the highly touted fright documentary on America's skyrocketing national debt, sponsored by the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, premiered in 400 theaters across the nation Thursday night. This banal film was actually painful to watch, much worse than I previously (laughs) anticipated. Producer Sam Goldwyn's classic quip on message movies applies. If you want to send a message, call Western Union. (laughs) IOUSA told the story of hapless but determined Don Quixote, former U.S. Comptroller General David Walker, and his nerdy but earnest sidekick Sancho Panza from the (laughs) nonpartisan Concord Coalition. This not-so-dynamic duo have been thanklessly traveling the back roads of America, tilting at monstrous windmills of fiscal irresponsibility and mounting national debt in the midst of clueless Rotarians and other simple folk of the heartland. Lots of flashy graphics, smoke and mirrors, and prestidigitation with U.S. Treasury figures did not add any luster or substance to this fiasco. The only saving grace of the movie was the brief cameo appearance by Ron Paul verbally de Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan at a congressional hearing. 
After the conclusion of the film, the premiere's rather schizophrenic benediction was staged by panelists Walker, Peterson, billionaire investor Warren Buffett, Chairman William Nisakin of the Pro-Fed Cato Institute, and some hack from the AARP. In their best, ah, shucks, folks, corn-pone delivery, they told their assembled Omaha audience and the multitudes in theaters coast-to-coast, struggling both to keep awake and their dinners down, that the scary, bad old film really didn't mean it. Everything's really all right with the USA. We've been in tight scrapes before, and we've always pulled through. Americans simply must save more and spend less. We need to tighten our belts and cut out all that nasty partisanship in Congress. I keep waiting for Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland, and the Andrews sisters to rush on stage and break out in a chorus of zippity doodah. Nothing was ever said about our draconian welfare warfare state, its American empire based in 130 countries, and their sinister symbiotic relationship with their enablers, the Federal Reserve, the real source of the problem supposedly addressed in the film. But then no one ever expected them to either. So it's being panned by uh, the Liberty people. Hmm. And I guess LouRockwell.com in agreement with our caller, Paul, and you can call in about what you want. So we talked to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paula. Yeah, hi, guys. You're really right about a lot of this. We need to get rid of the Federal Reserve, too. Big there you time. Go. Yeah. But anyway, there was something that gentleman was talking about his, uh, you know, signing up for, you know, for the military. He can be a conscientious objector, and he doesn't have to sign up. And the military or the colleges have been doing this since 1963. And if you flunk out of school, they, they automatically contact the draft board. Why would they do that? I don't know. They, my husband was a veteran. Uh, they did him the same way. No, I don't think that you can be a conscientious objector at the point of actually signing the draft card. I don't. I don't think you can do that. You, you can say that you're a conscientious objector, and you don't have to sign up at all. Well, um, over three million names have been referred by the Selective Service System to the Justice Department for possible prosecution for violation by the Military Selective Service Act. Three million, and they've prosecuted thirteen since 1980. The chances are uh, higher of getting struck by lightning than there are of actually um, getting prosecuted for this. However, what he was concerned with is he didn't want to sign up for on a principled basis. He felt it was mm-hmm. wrong, and that he was concerned of uh, concerned with say, uh, you know, the college is not accepting him and things like that. And I just don't know right. the answer as to what what's going to happen. Also, Paula, right as as a young male American, I have actually looked into this. I understand that you may not have done as much research on this particular issue, but it's my understanding. I could be wrong, but it's my understanding that in order to gain this conscientious objector status, the draft has to actually be in place. They have to be attempting to draft you, and then in order to become a conscientious objector, you have to essentially go in front of a draft board and plead. You have to beg in front of them to be to for them to essentially grant you this conscientious objector status, which does not save you from the draft. It essentially will result, if you are granted it, uh, thank you, by the way, for the call, Paula, it will essentially result in you being drafted into a non-combat role. So you could be packing boxes, for instance, instead of actually being on the front lines. So it doesn't save you from slavery one iota. More on the way. This is your show. And again, it's ba- it's bowing down and begging to them and asking them. I think you'd be better off just trying to avoid showing up in front of the draft board in the first place. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live, you can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com for as little as 3 bucks a month. 
you can help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations and bring more Internet listeners to the message of freedom and liberty. It's a great little program. That money allows us to be uh, it allows us to reinvest into the show and spread this program as far as we can. Plus, you get perks like access to the Ampoli call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. We continue with your calls about whatever you want. It's Brent in Missouri. Brent, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brent. Brent in Missouri going once. Brent, here's hear somebody. Somebody's phone is open. Let's put him back on hold and try Frank in California instead. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Frank, maybe we got him backwards. What's happening here? I don't know. It is a calamity. Frank is gone. We're going to try Brent one more time, and we'll move on. Brent, are you there, sir? I am here. Excellent. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to... Uh... I don't know, rake Mark over the coals for his nonsense with intellectual property. Seems like uh, a few people have been doing recently. But, I mean, I just, uh, I, I think he's lacking in creativity. I, I think that the vibe I get, and Mark, you can obviously correct me if I'm incorrect here. Oh, I will. But uh, the, the vibe I get is that it's not necessarily that you believe or disbelieve in intellectual property as much as you're just worried that, that no innovation will happen without intellectual property. Is that, is that true? Or? I think that uh, when I stated to uh, Mr. Kinsella last night that essentially I need to prove in my mind that the status quo is wrong. Um, you know, that it, I, I kind of look at it from a, uh, a perpetual motion but standpoint. But the status quo is wrong because it's violence. It's monopoly privilege. And Vi- we, I, I, uh, use, I will use violence to protect my property. Yeah, but it's not yeah, your but, property. <laughs> well, for, if you want to look at it from if if it's the morals of it that have you worried, I mean, you understand that that protection of intellectual property requires you to own part of me. Like part of what makes up a great deal of of who I am, of Brent, is the things I know, the music I've heard, uh, the stories I've read, um, the techniques I've learned in, in different trades, and, and all all of this stuff that could be considered somebody else's intellectual property, that makes me me. Like if I if I'd grown up in a white box and, until this age, I would not be the same person. Does that, does that make sense? And, and when do you, you do you think it's morally I, wrong? Do you think it's morally wrong for me to create a uh, soft drink that's uh, brown and bubbly? Call it Coca-Cola and sell it to people, be those people retailers or, uh, you know, customers on a retail level. Do you think it's wrong for me to do that? Absolutely not. Yeah, well, I do. Well, I think I somebody think- could make the argument that that's fraud, that if you're uh, pretending like you're Coca-Cola, then that's one thing. But if you call it Coca-Cola-ito, then that would be okay, right? And I guess, I guess to some extent you could make a, uh, a fraud argument if you are actually trying to say that this is coming from a, a plant somewhere that it isn't. You know, maybe your plant's not as clean as Coca-Cola's or whatever. You know, there, that, that potentially could be considered fraud. But um, just the act of taking information that you've gained, no matter how you've gained it, unless you've broken into Coca-Cola and, you know, broken into the case and taken out their, their recipes, uh, is it isn't wrong. It's part of you. The things you know are what make you mark. Okay. I, I, I don't have a problem with you know? somebody trying to uh, create a, um, a soft drink that they call, you know, Sparkle Cola, and uh, <laughs> it, they actually use some reverse engineered uh, formula of Coca-Cola. I don't have a problem with that. But, okay. Um, 
what, what about with drugs? Do you have a problem with it in drugs then? You know, with drugs, you're, you're, you're getting into an area where uh, research and development is, is significantly, uh, you know, larger. But, but and, did you listen to what Stephen, uh, Stephen Kinsella said last night? Uh, he said Did you listen to what I said that um, as, as far as... Can we pop Brent down a little bit? He's, yeah, a, little he's windy. a lot of car noise there. All I said on that is I think that the marketplace would likely uh, figure something out um, on that if there were no government entity. But in this case, we are dealing with a government entity, uh, and I don't think that the first place to start is intellectual property. So you're just saying put the, you're just saying put that one on the back burner. You don't want to argue about it right now because you've lost. I, I, I right. just I think it's minutia that just doesn't matter. It's not minutia when it comes down to the fact that we as consumers do not have as much to choose from in the marketplace because there's this gang out there preventing uh, businesses from maybe, really competing. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Yeah, I don't think it's minutia at all. Brent? No, no. Maybe maybe with your statement is true. Maybe it's not. I think that intellectual property, along with the drug war, a lot of – I know uh, – well, you two don't seem to be too afraid of it, but uh, a lot of libertarians are, are reluctant to discuss uh, the drug war the drug war from a freedom standpoint, but for the, the coming generation of voters, you know, folks my age, I'm in, in the, my mid-20s, um, we don't have a whole lot of respect for intellectual property as a group. It's just the nature of things. Well, I think, that, um, and, I think and that's I think it's true. partially because it's so easy to to download music, to get movies for free, or any, you know, any of that. I think that's Frankly, true. If you want to find the formula, formula for how to make Viagra, I bet you can find it somewhere on the Internet if you want. You might you know? very well be able to. I don't know. And, and um, so hold, before you go on, I think that it's true, and I think that that is a um, – it, it's a, that they that your generation, and, and honestly, I don't feel uh, much as far as downloading music, you know, that's been shared on the Internet. I don't feel anything about that either. I think that uh, – but that is a problem. That is a function of the over-legislation in intellectual property. Not to say that intellectual property should be tossed out entirely. Um, I think that the free market, I think that people in general believe in intellectual property. Do you think that it's wrong uh, to say, to take the uh, Declaration of Independence, put your name at the bottom and turn it in as part of your homework uh, at the in your American literature class? I think, I, I think that you'll likely uh, just get laughed at by your teacher or flunk. But I don't see I, why. That was a pretty bad example. Mark. Well, plagiarism you, is a violation of intellectual property. For instance, I am, I'm, a, I'm actually, right now I'm on the road. I'm directing to a performance of a choir piece that I wrote because I write music. That's, that's how I make money. Sweet. And, and I, I write my music on commission. That is, any piece that I've previously written, I give away for free. And download it off my website. I, I don't charge a penny for it. It's okay. all in CF, you know, and everything else. I make my money off of new pieces. Those pieces that I've already written are advertisement, as far as I'm concerned. The more people that download them for free, the better, because that's more chance that somebody will want me to write a piece for their girlfriend or want me to, this one in particular, uh, a piece I wrote for a church's uh, anniversary, like 150th anniversary celebration, specifically relating to that church and so on and so forth. Um, and and I, I just think, and you know, and that's how I've managed to make money in, frankly, a completely, I don't think of it as intellectual property, but a completely um, amorphous trade. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't produce anything hard. It's all, mm -hmm. it's all, you know, software. I don't even, I don't even produce hard copies of music anymore. I, just not worth the money. I can just send PDS. 
But now, if you if the people that supported intellectual property had their way, and you were one of those people, which you aren't, obviously, but if you were one of those people and supported intellectual property laws, the, your point that you made earlier about how that would mean that you would be able to control my property comes into play. That if I have a church, for instance, and I want to use download your church song and use it in my church without telling you about it, but one of my constituents or parishioners or whatever as uh, is aware of your original property and he snitches me out to you then that would mean that the government people would come in and they would physically stop me from utilizing the, my sound system in my church to reproduce certain uh, you know ones and zeros in the form of music on the speakers in my church and, and you prevent me from using my property in the way that I deem appropriate and that's what this whole thing is all about this intellectual property protection to me, it's, I don't really, the morals of it are, are kind of irrelevant, I think, at this point. Like, right or wrong, um, the way I think of it is you can't beat the market. Mark, I'm sorry, but <laughs> at this point, it doesn't look like the market is demanding intellectual property. It looks very much the other direction. No, no. The, 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 fact, uh, that, the fact that teenagers and, and college students and, and, you know, people of all ages, really, are downloading music on the Internet doesn't mean that IP in total is destroyed. The fact is, IP, uh, you know, the people that uh, are pushing these laws have pushed them beyond the measure of practicality and, the, and, and what is right, honestly. And, and you want to get them to shape up, shape up and bring those laws back down to where Mark thinks they should be, right? Yeah, that's, you realize, hopefully, Mark, that that's a completely futile endeavor. To just make elect the, the right do people. What you think it should. That's right. Just right? elect the. You just have to elect good people to government, Brent. That's all. Just have to bring yeah. good people in. Oh wait, that, that's never that worked. But uh, actually, I wanted. I kind of wanted to address um, just a couple of ideas, particularly with drugs. I was. I was contemplating this because I was listening to a, a podcast uh, of. Uh, I guess maybe yesterday or the day before, and you all were, you know, marching very worried about drugs. And so I, I was... All right, let's talk about it. Hang on, more with Brent if his cell phone stays through the news here. And your calls as well. Patrick's on the line. We'll hear from him. And ladies, come first if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. Then what's it take to get suspended as a fourth grader? One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com as we again launch here in hour three of the program. And I feel like we were, uh, we're right back to where we were last night at this time. I think last night we were discussing the exact same topic. It's really proof that you can call about anything on this program. The intellectual property debate continues, even though, Mark, you were eviscerated on the air last night by a, uh, an expert, a man who Stefan Kinsella, uh, who is an expert because, well, he's an IP patent attorney, and he might just know a thing or two more than both you or I combined about this whole topic. Certainly, the man's an expert. Uh, just proof that even if you can make s- significantly good points with somebody, that it takes time for them to absorb that information in that Mark, clearly, despite all the great points that were made last night by Stefan, still holds on to the vestige of the idea that the, the government that, is necessary. One of the points that Stefan ma- uh, made was that if he could give up um, on the, the, you know, the area of drugs and movies, that those would be the 
uh, first places that he would give ground. Yeah, it's unfortunate he made that statement. Let's continue. Brent is still on the line here. He had a few more comments on the healthcare intellectual property world, and so go ahead, sir. Well, I uh, I was just uh, I was you know because you all were talking about that, and I, I understand. I want new drugs too, and so on and so forth. I think a cure for cancer would be really convenient, and and so on and so forth. And and I was thinking, you know, how could that get paid for? Because people want it. There's a demand, so that means there's got to be a way to profit from it, you know, and you just have to, it's just a matter of figuring out <laughs> the, uh, the method. Well, I think that people want uh, intellectual property, too, and so there has to be a way to figure it out in the marketplace, right? If that's true, then that, that's possible. I mean, if it's true that people Look, want I haven't to... been arguing for government intervention in this area. I've only been arguing for intellectual you property. You haven't made that very clear. Of... Look, you haven't made that very clear. The thing, the thing about intellectual property is it, it, in the marketplace, yeah, sure, some, what you're arguing for in that case is, yeah, probably some people will um, want to pay or whatever, but in, in a completely free market, if you're not going to use force to enforce this intellectual property, then uh, anybody who doesn't, who feels like ripping it off and reselling is just going to do that. It really will depend on what the marketplace wants. I mean, if it's if it's true what Mark is saying, and it could be true that a bunch of people really value the idea of intellectual property, and if if that's what most people in any given market are looking for, the arbitrators will probably side with that kind of viewpoint for the most part, and it's possible that uh, reputations could be significantly dinged by violating the idea of intellectual property. On the other hand, it is possible that many people don't care about the idea as much as Mark thinks and therefore the marketplace will reflect that viewpoint. So it's really kind of an indeterminate factor. We don't really know. I'm certain that the marketplace wants intellectual property, if only at the level of fraud, in the sense that I don't want to be buying a cola that isn't Coca-Cola, um, that claims to be Coca-Cola. I, I want to buy Coke. Well, I want that, it to taste like Coke. I don't know if really intellectual property as much as it is a fraud. Yeah, I'm sorry. A brand is, a, is intellectual property. Plagiarism is intellectual property. It's only just it's the distinction you wish to make in it. You don't like particular types of intellectual property, so you want to call it all intellectual it's not so. I, 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 beg, I beg to differ. I think one is fraud and the other is not. If 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 Equate is allowed to come out with the Equate version of Viagra, when at the same time Viagra comes out and they call it Equate Agra or whatever, it's different from trying to defraud people into believing that you are actually selling. Yep. Uh, you don't think it's Viagra. a form of plagiarism? Viagra. You don't think it's no. plagiarism? Just like taking me taking an article and slapping my name on it. Well, I'm not saying that it's Albert Einstein's work, and I'm not saying it's Robert Frost's work. I'm saying it's my work. Yeah, yeah well, I don't you're think... Not, you're, what you aren't doing... See, the, di the difference there is if you are equate producing a product and then calling it somebody else's product, calling it Viagra, if you have a dirty plant and a bunch of people get sick from your pills... Like, you've defrauded people into believing that they are getting a, a product that, that a reputable uh, source has produced. Like if, I understand what you're a, saying. Do you think that plagiarism is a form of, inter, um, that, you know, plagiarism is a form of uh, violation of intellectual property? Uh, I, th I think it's a mild form of but I think that it's one that's kind of self Don't you think that what, play, that, that what Equate does by producing currently, by producing generic drugs, is essentially plagiarism no. of what, uh, you know, these uh, drug no. companies are Absolutely doing? Absolutely not. That, no, it's the no same and here's thing. why. I'll answer you why. Thank you, Brent, for the call tonight. I appreciate your input. Here's why it's not plagiarism one iota. Because it says right there on the package, compare to blah 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 They're saying this is an almost direct ripoff, if not a direct ripoff, of product a 
compare the ingredients list to product A, and then compare the prices, and please buy our stuff. That's not in a, Plagiarism is only where you pass someone else's work off as your own and try to make people believe that it was all your idea, and it's clear that those companies are competing with the existing products. So I, why shouldn't I in school be able to uh, you know, use Robert because Frost poetry and then say compare to Robert Frost poetry <laughs> on the because, side of it because and then it's a different situation. Because the, the, when you're in school, you agree to whatever rules the teacher sets up, and the teacher says you may not plagiarize in this class. Whereas when you're going into the grocery store or you're going to, to Walmart to buy a product, you understand that you want those choices as a consumer. You want to have those options, and it doesn't offend you at all that they're on the shelf because it's half the price to buy the Equate brand, and it's just as good. I contend that people want intellectual property of some sort or another. I don't know what that would be exactly. I contend most people it's, don't know much about intellectual property, and they don't know what they want. Let's continue with your calls and talk to Patrick in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Love the show. Hey, Patrick. What's on your mind? Um, trying to help that guy out that's worried about the draft. Okay, sure. Uh, from my understanding, and I've understood that it worked numerous times, when he signs his draft card next to it, in fine print, he puts under TDC. That's all he has to put. You know, that's what um, Wayne had suggested recently on the program, TDC standing for Threat, Duress, Coercion. And right. I don't think that that's very good because most oh, people don't know. I mean, most people don't realize what that means. It's not a common uh, – is it acronym? Is that what it is when it's one think, letter? Yeah. It's, it's, that's not a common acronym at all. Why not just simply spell out under duress? Well, you don't want them to, to raise their eyebrows immediately, so you just put it in fine print. Remember how they always get you with the fine print? Hmm. Yeah, but you're not... If you, if you read the line on your check, that's not a line. When you sign your name, it says authorized, authorized signature. signature. Yes, it does. Glass. Yep. You're right. You're absolutely right. So when he goes down to the induction center, <clears throat> excuse me, when they do the uh, oath and everybody's told to step forward, first off, he does not raise his hand to do the oath. Mm -hmm. When everyone is told to step forward, he stands still. Now, they're going to get up in his face and try, you know aggravate him, threaten him the whole bit. All he has to do is just keep saying over and over again, I will not submit my body or my person to the corporate United States. You know, no it's an interesting statement. That's all he keeps saying. We've actually heard the thing about the stepping forward, and it sounds interesting. I've never been in the military, so I can't comment on whether or not they ask you to step forward. I've seen true. it work once. You've seen it work? Yeah, I really? was there. Where, 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 where and when? Uh, during the Vietnam War. So you I were actually there with draftees. Can you give us a little bit more? I mean, you were there. Oh, there was one guy that didn't step forward, and they jumped all over him, but he walked. He walked out, you mean? He walked. And the rest of you were feeling like, damn, I shouldn't have stepped forward. <laughs> oh, I did. We didn't know any better. Yeah. Wow, that is excellent. We've never actually heard anyone claim that they had personal experience with that. It was always hearsay. Somebody had always heard someone tell a story, but you're saying you actually seen it happen. And so uh, I believe you, my friend, and I appreciate the call well, tonight. A lot of aggravation and everything, but he walked. Yep, there you go. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate hearing from you. Uh, so keep that in mind. The draft hasn't come back yet, but if it ever does, do not consent. And do not step forward and do not raise your hand. And don't do what they demand of you. This is one of the things that some of the 
some of the people, uh, the, the patriots, I guess, suggest that when you're in a courtroom, for instance, and the judge orders you to do things, and if you do those things for the judge, then you're basically submitting to his authority. You're, you're essentially silently conceding. You're silently saying, yes, I will do as you ask me to do because I am subservient to you. But if you don't do what the judge uh, asks or you make it clear that you're only doing it because you believe that he's going to hurt you or something like that, if you make it very clear that you're not obeying for the sake of obeying, then that perhaps may put a little bit more separation between you and his so-called rule or authority over you. It's kind of another similar concept to what he was talking about with the, the whole stepping forward thing. There's no reason to do what these people are demanding of you. Who are they anyway? They're just people wearing uniforms and robes and badges. They're just regular human beings trying to pretend like they're something a little bit more. 800-259-9231. And, of course, the more people that know things like this and try to exercise these ideas, the more powerful we'll become and the more impotent they'll start to look. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, including updates. Get signed up and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, you'll know it first if you're on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's right. All you have to do is go to updates.freetalklive.com and get signed up for free. A WebEx software allows anybody in the world and multiple people all over who have Internet connections to uh, view your desktop on their desktop. So you can have a meeting with them right there. Uh, you can also go to WebEx.com and enter promo code 600 to get your free trial starting immediately. And you can also register to get a uh, free webcam. They, I guess they're giving webcams away for a limited time. That's WebEx.com, W-E-B-E-X.com. As we continue with your calls, ladies first, Helen in Florida. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Helen. Helen, Florida, going once. Do we have Helen in Florida? Going twice. Let's try instead Ryan in Utah on the amp line. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, Ryan, um, what's on your mind? Well, first of all, I just, I just want to preface this that I am a self-proclaimed voluntarist, so okay. I don't want to aggress against any of my neighbors. Um, but uh, in, in regards to uh, intellectual property that uh, I guess you guys are talking about today, too. I, sorry, I'm a podcast listener, so I don't know exactly what you're talking about. But um, I agree with you um, in almost every single example that you've brought up of, of so-called intellectual property violations. But um, I, I kind of have a problem with you, especially Ian, um, writing off intellectual property as, as essentially what I feel is your impre- the impression that I get is that you claim it's non-existent. And I, oh, I think ideas are real. Wrong. Wait a minute. I think ideas are real, in, but I just don't think that anybody should be punished for sharing them. Well, I guess, I guess my, my, my assertion was that you didn't feel that ideas were necessarily property. No, I don't believe that they are. If you can copy it eternally forever, then there's no, since there's no scarcity, it's not real property, in my opinion. Okay, so... So in my case, I'm a computer programmer by trade, and 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 I'm I'm under um, multiple non-disclosure agreements with my employer, and essentially that is a contract between me and my employer that he agrees to provide me information, mm-hmm. intellectual property of his, to me under the terms that I will not 
disclose that to anyone else, essentially copy it to anyone else. And you should be free to get into a contract like that, in which case the contract then supersedes what I think is the normal reality of you should be able to share ideas, but if you've contracted to not share specific ideas, then you are bound by your contract. Well, ultimately, I think that's that's just semantics because that that essentially is the property and and you know I, the, the the problem in today's society is we just don't have enough of those clearly defined contracts. Certainly, I agree that anything that's pushed out into the ether, I'm I'm no, I'm under no obligation. I'm under no non-disclosure agreement, and I can copy that without um, any any fault on my own. Mm-hmm. But if 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 I make terms for you and you violate those terms, essentially. You are. Um, you should be held liable for that. Absolutely, I'm 100% agreeing with you. If you've okay. contracted, right. if you've contracted to keep something a secret and you don't, then you violated your contract and you should have action taken against you. Well, something's going. Something's having some problems in. Uh, I don't think it's your line. I Bone think, area. I think something's going on over at GCN where they're flipping some switches. Maybe. Uh, are you still there, Ryan? Right. Yeah, yeah. I have. I have one. One more um, thing that I was thinking about yesterday um, when you guys brought this up. Um, suppose that I decide to um, photocopy a bunch of Liberty Dollars. Um, okay, sure. These that- are, by the way, for those that don't know, Liberty Dollars are an alternative currency that is actually backed by nothing now. It used to be backed by gold and silver, but the, the feds came in and they stole all the hard metals. But go ahead with your, your point. Th- that's true. So, so let's, let's just talk about you know historical Liberty Dollars. Let's say that it really does exist still. Um, essentially... Those promissory notes, not the, not the, not the gold coins, but the actual um, the paper. paper promissory notes. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the paper is not worth anything. That's not the property. The property is intellectual. The property is this idea that you have gold in some vault somewhere. Now, if I could just go ahead and start photocopying these things and I start selling these to to people, what is my culpability? Well, first of all, you'd have to actually have some pretty special photocopying equipment because there's all Absolutely. kinds of there's all kinds of protections in there, including microprinting, foil seals, and things like that. There's a lot of uh, co- there's a lot of counterfeiting protections built. In fact, more counterfeiting protections built into the Liberty Dollar than there are in the the Federal Reserve note. So you'd have to have some pretty significant equipment and abilities in order to be able to do something like that. But what's your what's your liability for that? Was your question? Yeah, let's let's say that I'm really good at what I'm doing. I'm yeah. I'm the I'm the best counterfeiter ever, and I'm able to make these perfect perfectly. There's no distinction between these and and the real Liberty dollars. Yeah. Essentially, what have I stolen? I haven't stolen any gold, any real property. I've stolen intellectual property. What is my culpability? Hmm. You know, that is a good question. Uh, have you stolen anything? Well, it depends on, I guess, if somebody was able to redeem those. So if they were that good and somebody attempted to redeem them from the mint and those particular, uh, I guess, that those particular certificates had not yet been redeemed, the ones that were real and actually in circulation, you've successfully counterfeited. I mean, presuming nobody ever finds out about it, then uh, I guess you get away with it. And if they do find out about it, then your reputation is going to take some serious damage, I would expect. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess so, but um, I, I, I would hope that, that, that I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I believe the free market should be um, uh, the, the, the arbitrators of this. I, I, I'm not in favor of, of any coercion by the state. Okay, um, good. I just, I just, 
I just don't know what the solution to that is. I think it's a tricky. I mean, it's tricky to think about the 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 future of money when you've got different providers out there competing in the marketplace. Of course, one of the things they're going to compete on is the legitimacy of their currency, and that means that new innovations will be developed, and there always will be the threat of uh, of counterfeiters out there. And so the marketplace will have to come up with some way to uh, to try to ensure that their bills aren't counterfeited, and some will, some will. Succeed and some will fail, and what will that mean for the people that are holding those certificates? It means some people are—I don't know—maybe they're going to get left out in the cold. It's, it's hard to say what the market will do with that because we haven't had the, you know, the opportunity for the marketplace to really provide us with with good uh, competitive currencies. So I think the the market would be able to to handle those problems, uh, but. I, it's hard to predict exactly what that's going to look like and, and what the consequences will be for the for the counterfeiters. Uh, it's it's really speculative at this point, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, my only point in bringing it up is just to say that I think that there is intellectual property that is real and should be protected. Um, how that's going to be protected, I have no idea. Yeah, as long as you don't involve the government, whatever your protection scheme is, is fine by me. I thank you, Ryan, for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's continue with Scott in Winnipeg. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott, on the airplane. Hello. I have a market solution for this intellectual property uh, conundrum. Okay, sure. It, it's, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, this is just in regards to things like movies and, CD, and CDs and, and DVDs. Okay. Is that you have a contract on the outside or something that where you can see it before you purchase it, saying you agree not to copy it or distribute I don't think that's it. A, I don't think that's a good one. We can keep discussing that. Hang on. I'll bring you back for that. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I don't think it's a real contract. Uh, more on the way. You can take control. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us, including the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both free for you at freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that uh, the way they treat your customer or their, your customers reflects on you, so they treat them with respect. And they also know that you not just want to collect your money, but you also like to keep your clients. SACL knows. So check out their banner at freetalklive.com and do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live, like SACL, C-A-I. As we continue here uh, with the intellectual property discussion continuing Yay. to result in phone calls here, Scott is back on the line in Winnipeg. Now, Scott, you were talking about what you thought might be effective in the world of yeah. music and movies, and you suggested a uh, contract actually on the box, sort of like software contracts, uh, wherein you would have to somehow cut through the contract, at the, the, where it would say, if you open this box, you agree to blah 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 right? Is that your idea? Um. It, it kind of is, but can I back for a second first? Uh, can you, I don't know anything yeah. about patents or trademarks. I'm a content creator, video and, and music, so I know about copyright with, with that stuff. 
And I, and I agree that ideas are not property, and copyright law as it currently is recognizes that. Ideas are not property. Um, what's property under current laws are the expression of ideas. So it's the script you wrote or it's the song you made. No, I don't agree with how, you know, the RIAA is suing people and how, you know, downloading is legal. I don't agree with that at all. Um, but I do think that the product of your labor is your property and that you have a right to control how that property is used, whether it's a, a desk that you build with your hands or a song that you wrote and recorded yourself. Now, the way I look at it, though, doesn't mean that someone couldn't cover that song and do their own version of it, but the version you did, you have a right to, you know, if you decide no one can have that but, you know, the people who buy your CD, I think that that's your right in, in a way. Yeah, but you don't problem. have a right. I see where you're coming from, Scott, but you don't have a right. Let's say I'm a bar owner, and instead sure. of having a cover band, instead of paying a cover band to come in and play, I just want to put your music overhead in my bar because I like your music and I've bought your CD, but your CD had terms about how I couldn't play it to a certain number of people or whatever. You know, there's actually the RIAA and these other organizations, they have come down on bar owners in the past for playing music in their club. <laughs> Not just bar owners, but any business. Yeah, without paying uh, the royalties for it. But uh, so would you? So basically, what you're saying is there. If I want to play m- your music in my club, that you then own my speakers because you haven't given me permission to do that, and you you actually then control my entire club and the uh, the equipment therein because you made the song. Well, no, no, because your property is your property, my property is my property. If you don't want to use my property, or if you don't but want I to want to use your I property. But I want to, I want to use your property, and what are you going to do about it? Well, then, if if I decide that I don't want people to use it unless it's for here, here's an example. Um, there was a fellow that uh, made a, a song. Um, I, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyways, but he one day he was watching uh, surfing through some channels and saw that his music was used in some porno. And he didn't like that. He said, hey, I didn't create my music being used in that sort of avenue. Mm-hmm. So uh, he sued, and I don't remember what, what happened exactly monetarily-wise. But I think it comes back to being able to control your creation, like because I view that as a product. When you buy a CD or a DVD, you own a, a shiny CD or DVD. You don't own the music. You don't own the movie. Someone else actually owns that. The people that made it own it. That's the way I look at it. Like, I don't agree with the I see that's how you look at it, that. but there are people that disagree with you. There are probably millions of people that disagree with you, that they believe that when they buy your CD, they can play it to as many of their friends as they want to. If they want to bring all their friends into an auditorium and play it for them, I've got another question be before you to. before you um, go to get too far into this. Do you think that uh, the ancestors of Mozart, do you think that they should have to work for a living right now? Well, they didn't create the music Mozart did, right? Uh, he did, um, but uh, you know that uh, copyright law goes on for about 199 years uh, now with the Sonny yeah. Bono law. Um, so yeah. you, you do understand that Sonny Bono's kids aren't working right now. But that's a government creation. You know, that, 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 that's a government protection. I don't agree with government Well, okay, since you don't agree with government protection, how is it that you propose somebody, a bar owner who wants to play your music without paying you, be uh, taken care of in the marketplace? 
Well, you can't really. I'm not going to know if some random barn owner is playing. It doesn't harm me, you know. There's no. It doesn't harm me if some barn owner plays my song. But some would argue that um, it does. Some would argue it does harm you no, because you didn't get a royalty. I mean, morally, morally, if you don't, if, if if it's taken without my permission, then on a moral level, I don't think you should. But there's no, there's no harm in okay. it. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. Hey, that's I'm fine with me. On a moral position. I think that the worst that should happen should be that the people that care about that shouldn't go to that bar, and everybody else who doesn't give a damn. Is going to go and drink and listen to your damn music during you know during all that. Yeah, I mean it's really not. That's why I think it's being made into this huge litigious situation that is not necessary. People shouldn't be paying fines of a hundred thousand dollars for downloading a song. That's ridiculous. In Canada, downloading music is legal currently. Who knows? It might change any hmm. day. That's interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that. That yeah, is interesting. Totally and wait, is, do people still buy? Hold on. Illegal, so do people? Really no sense in it. So downloading movies illegal. Downloading music legal in Canada. Yes. Do people still buy music in Canada? Absolutely. Okay, so the I world still hasn't buy music ended because I support the artists that I like. Exactly, I and that's what I people will do. I music for a long time, and then about two years ago, I started buying CDs again, just because I feel like I, you know, I want to support the products I enjoy. I well, and and you know, when you're buy. a younger person, you just don't have as much uh, income necessarily. You could make more later on in your life, and then start buying things at at that point. Uh, there was actually a story that Johnson forwarded me about pirated software, where one software maker actually asked a question on a bunch of different kind of forums like Slashdot and geeky places like that on the internet. Actually asked the question, "Why do you pirate my software?" And he got all kinds of responses and kind of categorized them all and broke them all down. And there were various different reasons. Sure, there was a very, very small percentage of people that just were spiteful and they just wanted to take stuff. But he said that was the the most, the smallest percentage of all the responses. A lot of it was simply that you know they wanted to try before they buy, or that they just don't have enough money to buy a sixty dollar piece of software. And there was all kinds of really uh, thoughtful, interesting responses that this guy got. And so you're right, uh, it does turn out that people support the things that they want to see more of into the future. If you like a product at the grocery store, you should keep buying it because if if you stop buying it, then they might stop making it. And it's the same thing with music and movies. If you like it, you should support this, uh, the people that create them because otherwise they'll get disenchanted and go and do something else, and then you won't have those things anymore. And the market forces will show what the price should be at for that particular piece of software or a particular piece of music. You know, if, if CD prices are $25 and no one's buying them, they have to, you, know, you have to meet the market. You have to lower your prices. And stores have been doing that lately in Canada anyways. Very because good. I mean, you know, there's only a certain amount of money people will pay for a product. And if it's too high, then you'll go around other ways. You might download it or copy it from your friend and stuff yep. like that. And no one should be going to jail. So or true. Their home app over stuff like that. That's I'm with you there, Scott. I thank you for the call and the thoughts tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So it sounds like we're all kind of agreeing, at the very least, that the government shouldn't be involved in these things. That if they're... If it's true that intellectual property really is property, and I don't think I agree, but if some people think it is, if it's true, then let the marketplace come up with innovative ways to protect that property and let the chips fall where they may. Let's continue here and talk. Uh, Helen is gone, so we're going to try Jeremy in Montana. You are on Free Talk Live. Jeremy, Montana. Yes, I miss you all. Right. <laughs> Jeremy, what's happening? Oh, not much. I just convinced a bunch of, actually, Obama supporters in their office and on their computers to, you know, either vote for Ron Paul or knock it off because it's all about. I tell you, you sound like a you sound like you're in a persuasive mood tonight, Jeremy. I mean, Jeremy, you could convince anybody to do anything in the the mood that you're in, right? 
Yeah, Everything's I'm, smooth with you tonight. I'm a pretty good con artist, i got to tell you. <laughs> so, so you actually managed to get Obama supporters to tell you they were going to go and vote for Ron, but they're going to write Ron Paul in. You didn't huh? threaten them, did you? That's right. And you don't forget it, bucko. Okay, that's right. Bucko, bucko. bucko. That's what he said. Thank you, Jeremy, for the call tonight, and you keep up the good work out there. 800-259-9231. All right, bucko, you've got one more segment remaining. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want. Even in these remaining moments, the toll-free number again is 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. If you make it now at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, the number is 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to vote for us at vote.freetalklive.com. Mark, you told me we'd slipped back into first place uh, earlier today. That was primarily because Jim Babka sent out a downsized DC dispatch mentioning us. Didn't get us a whole lot of votes because uh, it wasn't the primary purpose of his dispatch. So we still need you because we're only something like a handful of votes ahead if we're even still ahead at this point. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. If you've yet to do it in the month of August and most of you haven't done it yet, please do it for us at vote.freetalklive.com. It is much appreciated. It makes a big difference and drives new people to the show, and that's a good idea, right? So vote.freetalklive.com. Ninjas, Mark, do you have a ninja story for me? I was going to freak out if you didn't let me get to this I ninja story. I want to talk about tonight. the ninjas. The Clifton, police said they, the Clifton police said they arrested two men dressed like ninjas and, star, and, and armed with Asian martial arts weapons who said they were sending a warning to drug users. <laughs> Drug calling, warrior ninjas? Calling themselves the Shinobi Warriors. The men were wore black SWAT-type vests and carried knives, throwing stars, swords, nunchucks, a bow and, a, and, a bow and arrows. How about a whip? That's all I've got. <laughs> 20, That's all I've got. 20-year-old Thaddeus Terzekas, I don't know, and his 19-year-old brother Jesse uh, were charged with weapons possession. Apparently in New, Jer- New Jersey it's illegal to have a uh, bow and arrow and a freaking Chinese throwing Everything's star. Everything's illegal in New Jersey. And they're also charged with harassment for a letter left for an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> After being arrested early Wednesday in a car on Route 46, the men said they were delivering warning letters to drug dealers and drug users urging them to stop their impure activities. <laughs> their weapons, det- the detective said, told uh, the Bergen County record they were, uh, were to be a precaution in case they were confronted by the drug dealers. The officers who arrested the men found the letters in five envelopes decorated with Chinese designs. <laughs> Reports show that two men had already delivered one such letter to the uh, 16-year-old ex-girlfriend in Clifton. Police contacted the teen and her mother and alerted them to the situation. The letters uh, warned drug users and drug dealers that the shinobi will stop your cruel and sadistic intentions with justified yet merciful force <laughs> in the letter the two men accused the drug dealers and accusers of having committed sin of passing impurity to others and that the wind guides us to those of impure hearts and intent <laughs> the wind huh yeah apparently That's awesome. uh, so they're farting their it's way to find it's too bad the cops can't just have the wind guide them to the drug users it'd be a lot easier then ninjas that's awesome their intentions may have been good but to, um, we tell everyone that they shouldn't take the law into their own hands because it will cause more problems for everyone in the long run, said the uh, detective. 
Yes, please yeah. leave the drug the, users the alone. The boy's fathers uh, tell the Associated Press his son is not a maniac. He's <laughs> only trying to help a friend. Oh, uh, they're driving along in ninja masks with Chinese throwing stars <laughs> and shuriken in their belt. So they never actually got a drug. They never actually um, no, made it anywhere. What the hell happened? How'd they get caught? They, you're not I mean, real. You're not they a real wearing ninja. wearing their ninja mask. The cop comes right. alongside. Oh, this is going to be good. Pull over, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Ninjas don't pull Sorry. over, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The ninja doesn't, first of all, the ninja doesn't get caught. Like, you, if you're a real ninja, you don't get into the point where a cop can catch you. You're a ninja. <laughs> right. I mean, the, 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 the primary... That the most important factor about being a ninja is stealth. Well, you're it, supposed to be able to slip in and slip out of places without being noticed. You're supposed to be silent. You're supposed to be stealthy. You're supposed to be quick. You know, it, certainly shouldn't be able to be seen by some donut-eating bureaucrat. If the cop does happen to stumble across a ninja, his life is forfeit. He right, dies dead. quickly and silently. Yeah, yeah. Not ninjas. These guys ride ride along in their seventy-nine pacer. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> they're not ninjas. <laughs> Oh, what these kids were thinking. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. I can't, you can't beat that crap. No, good stuff. All right, well, here's a story for you. Out of Winchenden, which is actually kind of close uh, here to Keene. In, mm-hmm. uh, not New Hampshire. It's like the last town in Massachusetts on the way here. Ten-year-old Bradley Geslack was suspended from school recently for bringing a souvenir to the school. Was it alive? No. Okay. In fact, it was uh, anything but live. It was an empty rifle shell casing. Two of them, actually. The okay. Toytown Elementary School fourth grader had received them. Uh, they were, again, they're blanks. From blanks used during the town celebration held at the GAR Park on, uh, you know, a recent Monday. He brought one of the casings with him to school the next day. His mom said he was just playing with it at lunch, wasn't showing it to anyone. He had it in his hand. And he was playing with it. Bradley said a teacher saw him with it and told him to hand it over. He said the teacher told me to give it to her, and I did. Because, you know, that's what they teach kids is to be obedient. Well, what else was he going to do? Well, after the piece of brass was confiscated, Ms. Geslack was called at work and told to come pick up her son as he was being suspended for the next five days. Five days for having just the (laughs) the, the brass casings? That's crazy. And they were from blanks, so you're not even talking about... Anything of any real consequence. It's empty either way, so it's just ludicrous. Just the zero-tolerance madness that continues to plague government schools. Her son, of course, was in tears when Mom got there. She said, I was totally shocked. I couldn't believe this was happening. And, you know, does that mean that his mom's stupid, Mark, or just ignorant? What's that? That this, she couldn't believe this was happening. Um, she's ignorant. N- she's normal. Right. Most people don't know. They, they're just completely, blissfully unaware of all of the insanity that goes on within the government school system. It, it only hits home to you when it's finally your kid that gets targeted for some of this silliness, this insanity. Ordinarily, she says, I try to think ahead about things, but to me, this was something good, not bad. It was just an empty shell, not even from a real bullet. A sharpened pencil would be more dangerous than this piece of metal. And, of course, her observations are completely correct, but yeah. that's, those observations fall deaf uh, upon the ears of these bureaucrats running the system. They don't care about uh, legitimacy. They don't care about uh, the, the, the truth of that statement. They don't care about the fact that this is in a blank shell. It's, it's, it came from a weapon. We've got a zero-tolerance weapons rule on this campus, so, therefore, we're suspending you for an entire week. It's crazy. Well, you know, the kid will probably learn more in the week that he wasn't at school than the week that he uh, was actually, or, or a week that he actually did spend in school. 
Her son had been given the shells by an, a, unif- a uniformed veteran who participated in a Memorial Day ceremony. Having received this souvenir from an adult, he never considered it wrong for him to have it, said because his it mom. Wasn't. He was so proud that uh, they had been given to him. His dad's a veteran, uncle's a veteran, both his grandfathers are veterans. Memorial Day's a very big thing to us. It's an important holiday, and we've got a big celebration every year. Well, don't you understand, Ms. Geslack? Those soldiers fought and died so your son could be banned to, from bringing well, this, expended the ammunition soldiers, to school. Well, you see, that the soldiers were authorized by the government to have those guns, so it was okay. Ah, your son, yes. however, has not been authorized to touch a piece of a firearm, and brass is a piece of a firearm, and I'm sorry, you're just not allowed to unless you're authorized by the government. And be damned your Second Amendment. She's now concerned about the impact that having the shell taken away will have her have on her son and his feelings about the holiday in the future. Well, you can rest assured that the school bureaucrats weren't concerned about his feelings one iota. According to the family, a school official said on Tuesday the shell would not be returned to them. The family said they were also told that the next step might involve assigning a probation officer to young Bradley, again, in fourth grade. They also said <laughs> they don't know the whole story yet. Geslack said, when I went to pick him up, I was told the teacher hadn't finished writing up her report on what took place and that I would get that later. I would have thought that when deciding to suspend my son that they would have had to have had a complete report ready for me. School officials refused to comment on the incident, citing privacy regulations. Principal Deborah Peterson says, I cannot give any comment on school suspensions. I cannot confirm or deny a suspension took place, and I cannot speak about anything involving a minor. It's all confidential. Just like at a doctor's office. It's confidential because we don't want to have to tell you what we're doing. Right. Uh, the superintendent did not return phone calls. The school committee chair people did not return calls. His mom said, I'm worried about what having a weapon-related suspension on his school record will mean to his future. He's like any other 10-year-old kid. Sometimes he can have a bad attitude. We dealt with that once earlier this year, and I don't want them to now think he's a bad kid or label him as one. If he'd been suspended for having a bad attitude, I could have understood it. I would have supported them in that, but not for this. He didn't even know that he did anything wrong. Ms. Geslack will have plenty of time to think about that in the coming days because the suspension also means that she has to give up hours at work to be with her son. It's either that or have somebody babysit. Yep. So this is yet another example of what's going on on the inside of these government schools that you are paying for, this that I am paying This for. would have never happened at a private school. And, uh, you know... <laughs> if it did, she would have some recourse. I mean, if the private school did do this and they weren't aware that this was a rule and she was very upset by it, she could talk to the principal and they'd actually would at least pretend to care about the situation. They might even try to remedy it with her because she could always pull out of the private school. She could always say, oh, I've had enough. And I'm not going to uh, come back next year. We're not going to give you our business. And so they would either bend a little bit or they would say, okay, well, we don't want your business. And they could part their separate ways and she would never have to give them another dime of her hard-earned money. But here, it doesn't matter if she pulls her son out. Cover your butt bureaucrats. She has to pay for this kind of crap or they're going to steal her house. And that's the system we live in. You can always elect somebody to change it, right? More on the way tomorrow night. We'll see you then. FreeTalkLive.com in the meantime. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.